Hello and welcome everyone to episode 48 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. Um, and as seems to be a theme recently, we have a lot to talk about this week. Um, but we're going to start with um, semi, I guess, a sort of breaking story, or at least there's a breaking news aspect to the story. Um, the arrest and police brutality visited upon Milwaukee Bucks rookie Sterling Brown. Um, so this story dates back to an incident um, that occurred about five months ago where Sterling Brown um, was being cited for a parking violation, I believe, um, and ended up being confronted by three Milwaukee police officers who, in the course of their um, interaction with Mr. Brown, um, tackled him to the ground, tased him, and ultimately took him into custody based on a parking violation, which just the like start of the incident really kind of blows my mind. Um, but the, uh, and I, uh, I'm looking at Jen, did the story kind of come to light because the body cam video was finally released, yes. um, yes. at some point over the past couple weeks, uh, that showed that Sterling Brown did nothing but act really politely in his interaction with the police officers. They're the ones that escalated this whole situation. Um, in an interview with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, um, Sterling Brown has said that he thinks the only reason they didn't pull uh, actual guns on him is because he just kind of gave in to what they were doing in arresting him for no apparent reason. And the breaking news aspect of this is that the uh, police officers involved in the incident have been disciplined. Um, one officer was suspended for 15 days, another for 10 days, and the third was only suspended for two days uh, because of confidentiality um, rules around releasing this type of personnel information. We don't know kind of who, which of the officers suffered the most severe punishment. Um, there's also going to be a policy review for a number of members of the Milwaukee Police Department. Um, but this seems a little different than a lot of police brutality uh, matters we've seen recently in that the police are actually being disciplined. But you kind of have to wonder if that's because it's a the person who was the victim in this situation is at least locally famous. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks came out with a statement in support of Sterling Brown saying that what happened to him was completely unacceptable. Um, and yeah, so that's uh, pretty interesting. It seemed like based on the awful statement from the police union that they might fight this discipline. So Yeah, so what I couldn't tell is that, as you said, the incident happened in January. And the reason why this is... Um, become news now is because the body cam footage was released but in anticipation of the footage being released i think the milwaukee mayor and the police chief mm -hmm. came out and said we're really sorry this is going no. to be very bad for us like we're letting you know now so i can't tell from this and as you said it's the confidential um, personnel matter nature of it like when these officers were actually disciplined because it could have happened anytime between January and now. Right? right. And the way that it's written in this times article was that, um, these punishments have already been doled out. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think that one of the things that makes it different aside from the, what you've pointed out is that you have a mayor and the police chief who have like essentially apologized for this incident. They've yeah. come out and said that, um, what did the police chief say? Um, I just had it. Um, oh, Alfonso Morales expressed regret at how the arrest was carried out. And he said, I quote, I am sorry this incident escalated to this level. Um, 
Except for the fact that you have the Milwaukee Police Officers Association basically coming out and uh, undermining whatever, it's not even goodwill, but whatever like neutral will they were trying to generate by mm -hmm. like apologizing in advance um, by saying that uh, basically that police officers are understaffed and ill-equipped and, you know, they're under sieged and this is why this happens as opposed to the fact that their own prejudices are at play and um, I don't understand how a man was essentially like handcuffed and tased over a parking incident at three in the morning. I can't imagine that that street was so busy that it was over a handicapped parking space. So he's parked in a handicapped parking space, but like apparently he's parked across two handicapped parking oh, two. spaces. Oh, <laughs> two. So, you know, that's not awesome no. if someone needed to go to Walgreens at night and, you know, needed those spaces. But uh, yeah, there's, there's no reason why someone ended up being tased. And, you know, and honestly, um, as you said, like, I'm kind of thankful it was just being, he was just being tased, right? Because this could have gone so much worse. Yeah. And um, the, I mean, the way that the whole incident kind of happened was, um, as, as Jen said, Sterling Brown was in the Walgreens, walked out, saw the police car near mm -hmm. his car. And according to him, he realized, I'm going to get a huge ticket for this, but just give me the ticket. I just want to go home. It's, mm -hmm. you know, three in the morning. Three in the morning. I have a game tomorrow. Um, at which point, Officer Joseph Graham started shouting at him, um, telling him to back up, and then kind of lurching towards him when Brown didn't move backwards fast enough. He then called for additional officers, and six police cars showed up. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm sorry. This is a incident in a fucking parking lot where this guy has done nothing except for park like a jerk. Um, so you're so understaffed that six police cars can show up to this? Mm -hmm. Give me a break. Um and, uh, yeah, then six cars show up, um, Sergeant Sean Mankey yelled at Sterling Brown to get his hands out of his pockets. He had been putting his hands in and out of his pockets while he was talking to these guys. Um, then he said the next thing he knew he was on the ground, um, at which point officer Bojan Samarsdick, um, uh, shot him with the taser. And then he was taken to the hospital, not given any pain medication. And once he was medically cleared, he was taken to jail. Um, he was, Never Not read his charge no nope. anything. According to Brown, he was never read his rights. He was never allowed to call anyone. Um, and then I guess he was talking to um, some of his fellow cellmates who were recognized who he was and asked him what he was doing there. And he just kept saying, like, I have no idea why I'm here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he was released um, once security for the team was alerted to him being in jail. And uh, I went. still don't understand. Like, well, okay, let's setting yeah. aside that I don't know why he was in jail in the first place, yeah. but why could, why was it because of the Milwaukee Bucks that he was released? Like, would you normally call your employer and be like, hey, your employee's here? I don't know. Unless, so the story in the journal Sentinel doesn't explain how the Bucks found out about it. So I don't know if it was, you know, his name showed up on like a police blotter. Or reporters got wind of it and then and called, called the Bucks. Because um, it sounds like he was not allowed to call anyone, uh, which is just seems really inappropriate. Um, and yeah, as, as you said, the police chief has apologized um, but it sounds like all Sterling Brown is looking for some real accountability. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't seem like at least based on the police association's comments that that's forthcoming. So, uh, we'll see what happens if there's some kind of challenge from the union that gets publicized. 
Uh, it doesn't sound, I mean, at least based on his recent comments, it sounds like Sterling Brown is not necessarily interested in suing the police department or the city, but does want to see some positive change come out of this incident. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is not the first time. Well, it, okay, so there was a incident with another basketball player that happened in Whitefish Bay. Um, he went to a jewelry store and the jewelry store people called the police on him. So I don't know if that was the Milwaukee police that were called or the Whitefish Bay police. So, and, so, and this was probably within the last handful of years. Uh, so this is not like the first time an incident like this has happened in Milwaukee and its suburbs related to uh, basketball players, which is really, really very unfortunate. Yeah, just... Can't they live? Let them live. <laughs> Let the guy go to Walgreens. Yeah. Let him get his Sour Patch Kids for whatever he was there for. Although yeah. I'm not sure what... I guess I can guess what you can get at Walgreens at 3 in the morning. Yeah. Give him a parking ticket yeah. and then... Let him be on his way. And also, I mean, I don't know what the timing was on this, but like... Why are you, you don't have to wait around to give the guy a parking. I've gotten plenty of parking tickets in my time. <laughs> when you weren't. I've never people. come upon mm -hmm. the parking enforcement person um, giving me the parking ticket. Like, yeah, they just leave them there. It's mm -hmm. really, it's what you have windshield wipers for. Um, so. I'm assuming that it was, it was probably fairly close in time to when, when they arrived and when he walked out. Just because, again, at three in the morning at Walgreens, it's not like you're spending an hour in there. That's true. Right. Yeah, I've never actually spent more than like 10 minutes in Walgreens, no. day or night. Usually it's because there's a long line that extends <laughs> my time in Walgreens. But yeah, they're not, it's not a long, mm -mm. long time. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, so that was Sterling Brown. Um, and when you first mentioned that we needed to talk about Sterling Brown today, I immediately thought about, oh, what did the actor do? But Right, this is not, to be clear, not Sterling K. Brown, who is an angel sent to us um, to grace us all with his acting genius. This is Sterling Brown, Milwaukee Bucks player. Um, so in other news, uh, a really, really strange and kind of inexplicable story from England where a woman named Sabrina Kudir and her husband, Osa Meduni, uh, were found to have murdered their French au pair. This was a case that's been, I guess, going on for the last two months at the Old Bailey over in <laughs> England. So uh, fancy. Yes. So the French au pair, whose name is uh, something Leonette. Sophie. Sophie Leonette. She was 21 years old. She went over to England to watch um, the, the couple's two children and I guess uh, things have steadily gotten worse. I don't remember how long Sophie had been their au pair, but like sometime in September, um, there were allegations that the couple like beat Sophie um, and injured her very, you know, severely and accused her of stealing a diamond pendant. And it sort of escalated from there where they starved her, they tortured her. They basically waterboarded they her. They waterboarded her. And they ended up um, killing her in a bathtub and then taking her body and burning it in their backyard and then barbecued a chicken nearby to try to cover up the burning body smell, I'm I assuming. Guess. Apparently it still smelled real bad. I've never been around a burning human body, so I wouldn't know. But turns out it's a very distinct smell. Yeah. And so the neighbors noticed. The neighbors <laughs> called and was like, hey, that doesn't smell like chicken over there. Um, and that's when uh, authorities discovered that uh, a person had been uh, burnt. Um, but 
what's really weird about this entire story, aside from the fact that like a you know a twenty one year old girl lost her life in these terrible circumstances, is that um, Sabrina Kudir basically blamed her and a boy's own band member, Mark Walton, for like for basically everything, right? This is why she killed her was because she had these delusions that Sophie was working in cahoots with Mark Walton to, uh, what was the, what did I say earlier? Uh, molesting the family. Molesting and drugging the family, yeah. which was not at all what happened. Um, now, Mark Walton lives in L.A. He's a music executive now, as Jen mentioned, was formerly part of the Irish uh, <laughs> boy band Boyzone. Creative name. Um, yeah, and was ex an ex-boyfriend of um, the of, of Sabrina Coudier. And she apparently spent a lot of time like attacking him on social media and saying terrible things about him. Any opportunity she got... Um, she did get a caution from the police for brand branding him a pedophile on a fake Facebook profile. She also accused him of sexually abusing a cat, mm -hmm. using black magic, and hiring a helicopter to spy on her. Yes. So uh, she and her husband, Osim, have been together, I think, for a very long time. And according to prosecutors, uh like she would go off and have affairs and he would just wait for her to come back to him. So they were dating on and off from when she was like 18 years old. Um, so during one of the off and on phases is when she met Mark Walton, I think from what I read, like in a, like just in line in a bank somewhere. And oh, he has this great meet cute. Yeah, he has described it as like, he had love goggles on, which I don't know if it's an Irish saying, but I know in America we say beer goggles. Yeah. So I guess love goggles would yeah, self-explanatory. They so, also call drinking to like act braver Dutch courage, yeah. which I always found fascinating. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so they met in a bank and they just hit it off. And um, I don't, I can't tell or maybe I just forgot like how long they dated, but I even after they broke up, Mr. Walton had been paying for a lot of um, like her rent and would write her checks because she was struggling with money. So um, he was sort of involved in her life for some time after the breakup, but he testified and so did another one of her ex-boyfriends testify that she didn't seem that she um, was mentally well like she had these wild mood swings and she could snap very easily and she um, was calculating and manipulative um, after she split with Walton she went back to Osim and I think the theory is that she convinced Osim that Mark Walton was behind like whatever was happening in their lives and like oh. talked him into um, what the French call folie à deux, or madness of two. Oh, yes. They yeah. talk about that a lot on My Favorite Murder, oh, a wonderful okay. true crime podcast if you're <laughs> looking for one. Yeah, so it's um, a, delusion. Yeah, yeah. a delusion that's shared by one individual that gets like absorbed by the other by osmosis. I There's mean. some really great stories. I mean, they're horrifying, but of like siblings having that happen mm. to them. They both go batty. And, uh, yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> so yeah. So that's the theory behind um, why they were engaged in this concerted effort to torture this poor French au pair, um, and then ended up killing her. It was horrible. Yeah, it's a very sad story. 
Luckily, they were brought to justice. Um, mm -hmm. I suppose if they are, I hate to, you don't want to assume that they are suffering from some kind of mental illness because that kind of stigmatizes people with mental illness and also potentially lets them off the hook. Mm -hmm. um, but to the extent that they are um, not well people, I hope they get the help they need, but also spend plenty of time in jail for doing this yeah, monstrous this thing. monstrous thing. Uh, yes, I read in one article that when the authorities arrived to investigate and found the remains of the body of Sophie, they thought um, she was a child because she had like basically been starved to be so little that they didn't realize that she was a full-grown uh, woman. And the excuse that um, the, the two assailants gave, they tried to say that it was a sheep that they had burned. Mm -hmm. um, I guess that smell didn't indicate that it was a sheep and they I'm sure did DNA testing but yeah it's really horrifying yeah it's awful oh so uh, Mr. Walton this was one of the things yeah. I did want to mention he had paid 15,000 pounds for a deposit for a house for her wow. and gave her 20,000 pounds um like just prior to that just for like living money this is after they broke up yeah. but yeah he said he really loved her and mm -hmm. really broke him she yeah went crazy he was uh, recently a judge on vietnam pop idol <laughs> oh yeah i mean you wouldn't think boy zone wasn't even a very popular boy band at the time yeah. i can't think of like they broke right when I would have been of the age group to be interested in boy bands. And I remember the name, but I can't remember what their big hit was. Me either. Cause I'm thinking <coughs> more like Westlife and yeah. take that and all of that. Uh, but he's done extremely well for himself. So as a music producer. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. So much so that he's on Vietnam pop idol. Well, and he has uh, tens of thousands of pounds to pay his ex-girlfriend yeah, and her true. husband to live. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, very sad story. I guess as good of an outcome as you could have hoped for. I guess so. Um, I, I don't. Um, I really wish that Sophie was able to escape. Like if she, if this was happening, like for, for like a, a long term, yeah, yeah. Why, why? Were, I mean, were they imprisoning her? Imprisoning her? You would think so, because how was she being starved if she could like go out in the world? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I know. Yikes! I know. Yeah, it's a very dark story. Mm -hmm. It is a very dark story. Um, so that is, I mean, it is a very. Well, I was going to say it has a very attenuated tie to celebrity, but it actually doesn't. I mean, the main reason why they killed her is because they thought that she, she was in league yeah. with a boy band member <laughs> yes. trying to ruin their lives. Exactly. Oh. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so there's no good way to transition away from that story, but um, I think our next topic relates to um, the Las Vegas casino workers have voted to authorize a strike that may hobble a number of <laughs> resorts there. And um, aside from this being right in our wheelhouse of employment and labor law, um, it's also an issue because the Vegas Golden Knights are in the <laughs> Stanley Cup final. And that starts on Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, and presumably even more people than normal will be traveling to Las Vegas to see these games and partake in the uh, other uh, uh 
yeah, things that Vegas has to <laughs> offer. Um, and that could be a problem if um, all of these casino workers uh, go out and strike. Yes. So it involves the Culinary Workers Union, which is Nevada's largest labor union. Um, and the strike would authorize or authorized strike of 50,000 members when the contracts expire on June 1st. Um, so. And it would impact um, Caesars Palace, Planet Hollywood, Bellagio, the MGM Grand. Mm -hmm. the stratosphere the d which is a really terrible name for anything let alone a hotel oh, um and that one existed i know i've never heard of that one before mm -hmm. and el cortez yeah so almost up to like 34 casinos would be involved because my understanding from reading is when the uh the union agrees to contracts with basically caesar's palace and mgm who yeah. own a number of them like all of the smaller casinos will sort of fall into line. line like with terms similar to mm -hmm. those um yeah, so it's not only uh, culinary workers, but, you know, so it's basically, like, cooks, servers, porters, guest room attendants, and casino workers themselves. Mm -hmm. So Bartenders. Yeah, yeah, this could really sort of debilitate um, Las Vegas. And so this would be, if this happens, this would be the first strike to impact Las Vegas since 1984. And that strike lasted 67 days. It's a really long time. Yeah, and in 1984, it cost the city itself a million dollars a day in like lost sales tax revenue and wow. yeah which is just staggering to me how do you adjust it for inflation how much money is that i don't know it seems like a lot <laughs> god yeah yes. um and and one of the things that uh is so is generally in strikes especially in the private sector and to an extent in the public sector as well but when you have striking worker workers who go out on strike the employer is able to hire replacement workers to replace them um but i think in this instance the union has a lot of leverage because there's such low unemployment rates in that area that you're not going to be able to find a lot of temporary workers and if this strike persists more than a handful of days it, i mean they will be very hard pressed to find people to um, to work in their casinos and, and their um, restaurants and everything else. Yeah, this is um, gonna be very bad for business in Las Vegas. And if they can carry on this strike, I mean, that's a huge amount of money to lose mm -hmm. um, every day. I know we've had some public sector strikes here. The one that I'm thinking mostly of is um, back probably five years ago, there was a, strike in the city of Oakland oh. and um, there just given the nature of the workers who were striking, they had to, you would have to strike for like an awfully long time for people to start to notice that the services weren't happening. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so they went out on strike for I think three or four days and it felt like nobody noticed that the strike <laughs> happened, which is kind of sad um, for them. But, but here, this is very different. yeah, like you're going to, I mean, it's going to be noticeable on day one. That mm -hmm. These people are not around yeah. and uh, the longer it goes on, it seems like the more leverage the casino workers will mm -hmm. hold. Yeah, so Oakland for you, it would be the University of California system went on strike like a month ago for me. Um, but I think it is harder to notice things like that because cities and counties and hospitals provide these what we would want to call like essential services. So right. you, you are very sure that you have replacement people to come and do that. Or if you're not, if you can't go into the city to get a permit for building your deck, that's not necessarily life or death. And you probably, yeah. you know, you would just go in and get it next week. Whereas here, like, there's no one to serve food, no one to clean your rooms. I mean, right. it is a really, it, it's, 
is not essential, but it is very like significant in a different way. Um, I just can't imagine, you know, because the individuals who go out on strike aren't paid, obviously. Right. But can you imagine like not getting a paycheck for 67 days? No. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And you wonder, I mean, the Culinary Workers Union, biggest union in the state of Nevada, they may have a very substantial strike fund, which mm-hmm. um, for those of you who don't know what a strike fund is, it basically is money that the union has set aside to help pay its members while they're out on strike to give them some kind of income while they're not working. Um, you would think, I mean, maybe they'll get new jobs, but um, yeah, but the casinos make up such a huge uh, portion of the economy there, you'd think they'd have to like go outside of Las Vegas to do that, which doesn't seem particularly no. feasible. Um, but yeah, not being paid for 67 days, like that's mm-hmm. that's a lot. So the things that they are um, bargaining for and are priorities for the union in this instance mm-hmm. are uh, stronger anti-harassment policies, uh, which I think in Vegas you can probably well imagine uh, are necessary. Um, <laughs> higher wages but interestingly like more job training and job security around the idea of having jobs automated so basically they're trying to defend against the rise of the machines right because um you know some places have drones delivering drinks <laughs> what yeah oh god although i was in a uh not a high-end hotel in, within the last year and they had a robot deliver my um my uh yes i think they have they have robots delivering um so in vegas they have i mean i think they do this in a lot of places they'll have they have like little stands where you can get um alcoholic drinks and you can order them from robots yeah so this is what they're trying to um basically they're guarding against this like contracting out to machines but also uh programs to help transition those kinds of employees to other jobs mm-hmm. um not to get into a reality tv stoop topic but this also happened one of the characters on they're not characters they're real people one of the <laughs> no, they're characters one of the people on vanderpump rules which is a spin-off of the real housewives of beverly hills this person is a bartender who um jacks taylor for anyone who watches the show who is a real disaster of a human being he's like 40 and is a bartender and will never i don't think he'll ever be able to do anything else with his life um but he got served by a robot bartender, and you could see the look on his face. Like oh, his whole careers, like he's realizing what this means for himself and his career, and it was sad to watch. But he's so awful that it actually you don't feel that bad. <laughs> um, but yes, it is. It's a real thing. The yeah. um, uh, the rise of the machines. So, mm-hmm. and then when they all become self aware, we're in real trouble. So Weird. hopefully, John Connor will come and save us. Yes. Yeah. The ones from is it like Boston? The Boston Electric, the Boston one who, Scientific, yeah, the yes. ones who opened the door. It's like, oh damn, that's not great. <laughs> oh damn, um, yeah. And uh, we just wanted to also provide an update. There's been a lot going on in the world of hashtag Me Too. Um, Harvey Weinstein turned himself in. Um, he was arraigned on charges of first and third degree rape and committing a criminal sexual act in the first degree. Um, so he is out on a ten million dollar bond and has an ankle bracelet and he surrendered his passport time's up asshole yeah uh but 
that's all wonderful news. I mean, I guess as wonderful as news about a alleged rapist can be, um, but it also is being used to highlight the uh, problems with the cash bail system in the state of New York that Harvey Weinstein has been accused of like violent acts against women. And because he's a rich guy, he's out mm-hmm. at home. He can travel between New York and Connecticut pretty freely. Um, and there are kids or, you know, even if they're not kids, uh, who've committed completely, like, nonviolent crimes, stole a bike, got arrested for marijuana possession, mm-hmm. um, who just rot in jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, please read the story of Khalif Browder, K-A-L-I-E-F. Um, this is his first name, to get a real sense of the damage that the cash bail system can cause. Yes. Uh, Chris Long has uh, been trumpeting uh, changes to the cash bail system. Actually, I think just today on Twitter. Yes, and uh, Jay-Z... Um, and I think he worked with somebody else who I can't remember right now, did a documentary on Khalif Browder and what happened to him at Rikers. Long story short, he spent three years in custody at Rikers Island. He was a teenager for allegedly stealing a backpack that he did not, in fact, steal because his family couldn't come up with the couple thousand dollars that they needed to bail him out. Um, So, And he is dead now because he was so traumatized by that experience he committed suicide. So, uh, terrible story. We should remember his name. And um, to the extent you live in a place that has cash bail, you should investigate it and call your local representatives and try and get rid of it because it's really unnecessary. Like horrible. Um, going back to harassment. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. And sexual assault. Um, Mario Batali is now under criminal investigation for allegedly. I'm assuming it's the really giving Ginger's a bad name, Mario. <laughs> but uh, I'm assuming it's the incident where he drugged the woman and then sexually, allegedly sexually assaulted her. Is that? I think so because the I know he was accused of sexual assault. What the. What do they call the like the back room where they used to have important famous people who would grope the wait staff at his restaurant? I'm not making this up. I just can't no. remember any of the details. Uh, it. I thought it was the upstairs room at the Spotted Pig. Oh yeah, yeah. I never made it to the Spotted Pig when I lived in New York, and now, we and can't now go. I can't go. Yeah, I'm so sad. I'm just like, damn it. I know that's not the takeaway from all of this, but uh, yeah, it's pretty upsetting. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I'm assuming it comes sort of in conjunction with the 60 Minutes that was on Mario Batali and Ken Friedman that aired last week. And um, the, a woman basically t- talked about this hap- this happening to her um, with Mr. Batali. And it sounded like it was on video. Well, that's not good for him. But... No. Um, and lastly, not lastly, but just among the other stories that yeah. are out there. Uh, Morgan Freeman has been accused by at least eight women of like inappropriate uh, comments, uh, inappropriate touching, and I don't know if there is an assault, but um, harassment. He's previously alleged to have had an affair with his step-granddaughter. So none of this is good for Morgan Freeman. <laughs> no, um, and he's kind of copped to some, at least some of the behavior, apologizing yeah. for, I mean, it's the fake apology where he's like, oh, I'm sorry if people were offended or if my I misinterpreted what was mm-hmm. happening, yeah. um, which seems to be a really convenient excuse for particularly very old men. I think that was Charlie Rose's um, yeah, he, rationale as well. Yeah, because he, um, he said that he likes to make both men and women feel appreciated and at ease, and so some of the things he said might have come off as creepy and weird, but he just meant them as either complimentary or in a joking way. That was that was his, his take on the situation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
So yeah, the voice of God is no more. His, I guess his voice has been pulled from a number of ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've seen people on Twitter suggesting that we should give God a woman's voice now. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's. I don't think there are any criminal or civil claims um, at this point, but it wouldn't surprise me as someone I think also on Twitter pointed out. If there's eight, there's probably more. Um, so yeah, it's a sad day for people who are Morgan Freeman fans, but a good day for the women who he harassed that they feel they can speak out now. Yeah. Hmm. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. Um, well, I think those are our, those are our big stories for the week. Yeah. Um, so I think moving into our three minute warning first story, it's sort of a legal issue. Um, soccer star, Ronaldinho, uh, was allegedly planning to marry his two girlfriends uh, in Brazil. He uh, There's a, a loophole in the Brazilian <laughs> law that allows um, a person to be uh, part of, I guess, multiple civil unions at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they're technically not married, Correct. but they I guess they get most of the same rights under Brazilian law as you would if you were in a marriage. Yeah, I'm assuming. I mean, I'm not entirely sure what rights, what the differences no. are between marriage and civil unions. I mean, part of me assumes that because Brazil is probably a very religious country, that it's probably not as many rights if you yeah. are in civil unions. Uh, Ronaldinho has been living with uh, two women um, whose names are Priscilla Coelho and Beatrice Souza for several years now. He goes out with them and dates them like very publicly together. Um, but he's laughed it off and said it was a joke. He's not actually marrying the both of them. Um, <laughs> Seems like a mean joke to the women, but <laughs> I guess so. But you know, maybe they're totally cool with like the arrangement um, that's oh. that's happening. Yeah, that is kind of an it's interesting. So polygamy is not legal in Brazil. It is legal in like the Philippines and like two other countries. I read <laughs> when I was doing research for this. Of course, I can't remember what the other two are right now. Um, but yeah, but it's not legal in Brazil or in the United States either, in case anybody is wondering if he could just come here. Right. And is he, is he still playing for Barcelona? I don't think so. He's retired now, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did see him in his first game for Barcelona. He was playing a friendly against, I think it was AC Milan, or maybe it was Inter in back in Massachusetts. Oh, cool. Um, so that was fun. But I guess that was a long time ago. Oh. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's not... Since he's not marrying them, it's not really a legal story, but it no. seemed interesting that that was actually a possible thing he could do yeah. in Brazil. Yeah, and he, I mean, like, when we planned on doing the podcast, he had still not come out to say it was a joke yet, so that would right. have been a legal issue. It's just in the day since we decided to record today, um, he said, no, it's a joke, haha. Ha, just staying happily in an unmarried thruple. Yes. So, good for him. <laughs> good for him. <laughs> um, and the other item is not actually a legal item either, I just think it was kind of funny, and it blends um, sports and famous athletes. Um, So today, we're recording on Saturday, and it's actually Saturday afternoon now, so the Champions League final between Real Madrid and Liverpool has probably concluded. They played their match in Kiev, and a number of Liverpool fans paid probably upwards of like 2,000 pounds for um, chartered flights from Liverpool to Kiev and probably accommodations in Kiev to, to watch the match. Um, but a number of these uh, chartered flights were canceled on Friday and Thursday. Um, 
and you know fans all over like BBC and The Guardian and The Independent and The Sun are like just saying how awful it is because this is the first time Liverpool's been back in sort of the Champions League final in a really long time and um, there's some really super crazy diehard soccer fans out in the world. Um, so some one of the allegations as to why these chartered flights were canceled is because uh, they have accused the mayor of Kiev for taking up the slots for these chartered flights at the Kiev airport with basically private jets because those probably would bring in like more famous people or more money instead of a bunch of Liverpool fans. But the mayor of Kiev is the Klitschko, who is a former heavyweight boxer, not the one not married to Hayden Panettiere. I believe that is Vitaly. And not... Not Vladimir uh, with mm-hmm. a W. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's very, very, very tangentially related to our famous athletes and legal issues. That does seem kind of sketchy. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, breaking rules to support oligarchs sounds like something that could happen in that country, not to cast aspersions on Ukrainians, but... Yes, but I think that um, actually Vitaly Klitschko, um, up until this moment, has actually done pretty well for himself in like Ukrainian politics, because I think they were having him run for much higher office, and then there I know there is video out there in the world of him getting into a fight in like the parliament. Oh, Maybe? sure. Yeah. Be terrified. So, but so, but he actually did not engage. So one of the other, I'm going to just say, like senators or congressmen or representatives, of parliament. yeah, <laughs> like went up to him and they were like yelling at each other, and the guy like threw a punch at him, which he ducked very easily, and he did not hit back. But I was just like, I totally want to see that because he would have crushed that man. I mostly just want to see him like stick his hand on the guy's uh, forehead while he's, while he's like swinging around because I'm sure Vitaly Klitschko he's probably like I mean Vladimir Klitschko is like 6'9 so I would guess I think yeah. his brother is about that size mm-hmm. as well so yeah that would be fun to watch. <laughs> yes, there's actually a a few years ago there was a pretty good I think it was an HBO documentary on the Klitschko brothers. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah they're they're much more interesting figures than I thought they were going to be. Um so, uh, yeah, so those are my two <laughs> two soccer items that we have for today. Um, Dre Kirkpatrick? Yeah, so there was apparently a, um, a raid on a home owned by Dre Kirkpatrick, who plays for the Cincinnati Bengals, um, where they found uh, a whole bunch of drugs. Um, they, the tenant who was renting the home from Kirkpatrick, a guy named Jared Blair, he was arrested after the search of the residence. He's facing drug trafficking and drug possession charges. Um, the police in Cincinnati confirmed, or the local police, I guess actually happened in Westchester, um, Ohio, confirmed that Drake Kirkpatrick is not a target of this investigation. He's not going to be arrested. Um, Kirkpatrick has, or through his agent has confirmed this, that he's assisting the police in any way he can. This guy was just a tenant who was renting the house, mm-hmm. um, from him. And, um, yeah, so there's not too much there. Although Kirkpatrick, this story doesn't seem entirely relevant to, uh, this, but the USA Today did report that he was once arrested yeah. for having marijuana, which, like, who hasn't been? I mean, I haven't been, but... <laughs> and neither have I. Uh, but that seems like a really minor incident and why it's being included in a story about, like, somebody who is engaged in what appears to be much more serious drug trafficking when Kirkpatrick is not 
implicated in that incident seems like a little bit of overkill to me usa today i don't know that this was should be part of your story but mm -hmm. i guess i'm not a journalist so what the hell do i know <laughs> well maybe we should have a journalist on one of these days and ask him like to answer for all of his journalist yeah. friends we should yes speaking for all journalists <laughs> yeah speaking for all journalists and then he could probably ask his question speaking for all lawyers right sure it's, it's a fair trade it's, i think I it's like. fine um, I think it's time for reality TV stoop. Yeah, and I have a good one this week. So um, a very underrated member of the Real Housewives family, Real Housewives of Potomac. Um, these ladies, uh, so it's A, because I love reality TV, but also a number of the women on the show are either married to or dating former athletes. Um, the ex-wife, current girlfriend i guess of juan dixon robin dixon is we're not really sure if they're like currently together they have a complicated relationship <laughs> um a woman by the name of monique samuels whose husband chris samuels used to play for the redskins among other nfl teams and um oh we forgot about that one <laughs> um and uh giselle bryant is currently dating sherman douglas who used to play for the Miami Heat, among oh. other NBA teams. Wow. Uh, but as of the last episode I watched, he's not talking to her because there was a story in People Magazine about them, and he's a very private person, even though he has appeared in a reality TV show. <laughs> but all of that is not really relevant to today's story, which is about the grand self self-proclaimed grand dame of Potomac, <laughs> which is a town in Maryland that I don't know why it's famous, but these ladies are great, so I'm okay with them doing a show. Um, Karen Huger, whose husband is a guy by the name of Ray Huger, she refers to him as the Black Bill Gates. He doesn't like that and has repeatedly told her, including on, I believe, the last reunion, to stop calling him the Black Bill Gates. Uh, but he is a uh, he's in the tech industry. He used to be an executive with IBM, and he um, started his own software company uh, back in 1991 called Paradigm Solutions. Uh, he he has uh, been accused by the government oh. of having very serious tax issues. Oh. So the government um, has, it's both against his business, Paradigm Solutions, and him personally. Um, the government had a $1.5 million lien against Mr. Huger himself and a $3 million lien against his company, um, he has kind of avoided talking about it, including to his wife. Oh. Um, so <laughs> as I learned by binge watching this season of The Real Housewives of Potomac, um, Karen and Ray have been married for like 20 years. Uh, they do not have a joint checking account and they file their taxes separately, which I'm not married. So like, what the hell do I know? But that seemed a little bit odd. And yeah. she keeps saying it's because he was protecting she then, he he will not talk to her about what is going on, which she insists is because he's trying to protect her. Because, like, if she knows, then she could be compelled to talk. Except my recollection is that's not the way that spousal privilege works. No. But yeah. she, I think he just doesn't want to talk to her. Um, but in any case, she has insisted this has nothing to do with her. Her husband has all of his own money. She doesn't sign his documents. Like, this is not a Teresa and Joe Giudice situation where her name is all over yeah. a bunch of fraudulent yeah. documents. Um, Karen Huger has insisted she had no idea what the hell was going on. As she put it, she is debt-free and loaded. <laughs> and um, she also got so animated about this that her wig fell off in one <laughs> oh scene. Oh, my God. It's pretty great. Um, 
I mean, she's she's wacky and has a really loose grasp on the truth, but um, there don't appear to be any criminal charges against her. It doesn't seem like they're coming after her. It seems like this is really restricted to her husband. Um, and I have so many questions. I mean, I'll try and answer them, but... <laughs> so, is, was she independently well off before they got together? I didn't think so. Okay. I, I've, I mean, I've been watching the show for a while, never seen this woman work. Mm-hmm. Um, she does talk about working at Taco Bell when she was a teenager. Okay. She is now in her early 50s, um, so that was, I believe, quite some time ago. Um, I think, yeah, she... So, their daughter, Raven... Well, Spelled R A Y V I N, I think. To oh, like, actual like, like right. her, yeah. So she's kind of like an Olympiohanian junior <laughs> situation. Um, is twenty, and I believe they've been married for like twenty, a little over twenty years. He bought this business in nineteen ninety one, so mm-hmm. it probably means he was quite well off. Okay, when they got together. Um, so when she says she's debt free and loaded, it's she's I don't debt-free. know where her money comes okay, from. So, all right. Um, so Second question is, why doesn't he like being referred to as the Black Bill Gates? Well, I have to think. Maybe it's because she was drawing an awful lot of attention to him when she knew (laughs) that there was something going wrong with this business. Um, But he didn't really explain it. He seems like a very nice man. He looks looks a little bit like Uncle Ben. He's got like (laughs) a lot of white hair and he's real quiet and just kind of does his thing. And she is loud and kind of out there. Well, Um, okay. Um, so, I mean, I assume that maybe, like, super rich people file their tax returns separately for, like... Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'm just not in that stratosphere where I'd have to think about that, but... Yeah, they had to sell... So, this whole story, I mean, it was reported in the Washington Post, because I think he... I believe Ray Huger's company does do a lot of work with the government, Uh Um, but it all kind of blew up on the show last season because they sold their house in Potomac and moved to Great Falls, Virginia. And Karen had seven different stories for why they had to sell their house and move to Virginia. At one point during the reunion, she said that they moved to Virginia because her parents are sick and she wanted to be closer to them. And then when Andy Cohen, the uh, godfather of the Real Housewives, asked Ray about this, Ray was like, she's never mentioned her parents at all. I don't know what's happening. But they sold their house in Potomac for like hundreds of thousands of dollars, less than it was appraised for, the assumption being that they needed to sell it to help pay pay off his tax bills. And has he said on the show that he is not talking to her about these things to try to protect her? Or is that just what she is saying? That's what she is saying. Okay. He clearly doesn't want to talk to her about it. He just keeps saying, like, it's a legal issue. I can't talk about it. Now, in fairness, there's a camera in his face. That's true. And so that Mm -hmm. might be why he is smart enough not to discuss this Mm -hmm. with her. And she clearly can't keep her mouth shut. So may also be motivating him to not talk about it. Um but he did tell her because she's gone around being like Ray didn't tell me about any of this. I didn't know anything um, except at one point Ray did say to her like, "Why well, kind of told you that there was an issue?" Because they bought he bought some other company mm-hmm. and merged it with Paradigm Solutions, and I guess there was an issue with yeah. that company. Um, but he has said, <laughs> you know, it's his business. He's the CEO. He needs to take responsibility for it. I mean, he seems stressed, but mm-hmm. managing things fine. Yeah. So can she, I mean, I assume that if you, even if you move away from Potomac, you can still be on that Real Housewives of... I guess the Potomac is very loosely used oh, okay. here. Um, because, right, she doesn't live in Potomac. Robin Dixon no longer lives in Potomac because she and her husband, former husband, 
current whatever roomie <laughs> with benefits, Juan Dixon, um, they had to file for bankruptcy. Their home was foreclosed upon because they had a friend slash business associate who stole all of their money. So, um, so now they live in a rented townhouse in Hanover, Maryland. Oh, okay. Potomac is not as aspirational as some of the other shows are, oh, yeah. but the women are really great. So, um, uh, yeah, and I think, I believe all of the other women do live in Potomac. Monique Samuels just moved there. She got on the show before she lived in Potomac, but last season's storyline was her looking for a house. Oh, in Potomac. In Potomac. She the heifer? Yes. Oh, okay. oh yeah. So Monique Samuels, um, married to Chris Samuels, former NFL player, no longer, she and her husband don't speak to her husband's mother because he referred to her as a heifer on camera last season. So, this not great. No, that is not great. Um, and this has not become a legal issue yet, but at the end of the most recent Potomac Housewives episode, Robin Dixon and Monique Samuels nearly got into a fist fight outside of a restaurant, and Monique Samuels tried to choke out Robin Dixon with a golf umbrella. <laughs> so we'll see. It, it was a to-be-continued, so we'll see what happens this week. Oh, there might be assault charges next week. <laughs> yeah, Robin Dixon is, like, very athletic, so I feel as though if they got into a real fight, she would for sure win, but <laughs> Monique Samuels has a weapon, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, and Monique Samuels recently um, got into some hot water. She crashed her car uh she said it was because she fell asleep at the wheel because she's so tired mm -hmm. from everything that's happening in her life which i mean based on the show it doesn't seem like she has that much happening although she does have two small children without a nanny that she pays but she has family around all the time so she's not completely alone with those kids anyway um <laughs> she said it was because she fell asleep um driving home from a lunch and said, well, I only had, I had like two martinis at lunch, but that's not why I crashed the car. And then another cast member, Ashley, whose last name I can't remember, um, said was the one out at lunch with her and said, well, no, she had like four martinis at lunch. And I'm not saying she was drunk driving, but martinis don't make you more awake. <laughs> um, and so I think she was just tired. She was tired. Uh, oh. But that, that story, Monique Samuels reacted very badly to being basically accused of driving while intoxicated. Yeah. Um, and that's what precipitated the fight with oh, Robin Dixon. Oh, with the umbrella. Got it. Yeah. Um, wow, that's a fascinating reality TV stoop. These ladies are great. You should definitely... Um, the first season was not so good. Um, they had one really terrible cast member, but she's gone now. Um, so yeah, these women are bringing it. They're great this this year. Right. So. Um, we're going to slip back into our three-minute warning because there are actually two stories that we forgot to talk about this week. One from our podfather. Oh boy, yeah. Um, very... I, well... Maybe the pod father is looking down on Shanna um, and, uh, you know, making sure she's taken care of. But Shanna Jenkins is having another baby. Um, unclear who the father is. Yes. Some of uh, the pod father's ex-teammates have said definitely not his baby, which <laughs> no shit because he died 13 months ago and had been in jail for years prior to that. Um, but, yeah. That's good for her, I yep, guess. Exactly. She seems very happy, so mm -hmm. that's nice. Going to be a girl. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, now she'll have two little girls, and yep. that's great news for them. Um, yes. So, and then the second story we missed, and um, we wanted to just briefly bring up, is that Richie Incognito, formerly of the Buffalo Bills, but probably more famously the Miami Dolphins offensive lineman, yeah. that was, he was suspended, right? Kicked yes. off the team? I, I think he was 
just suspended. He was just suspended for basically harassing and um, making Jonathan Martin's life miserable. While they were both on the Miami Dolphins together, he was reportedly detained for involuntary mental evaluation after being accused of throwing tennis balls and a dumbbell at another gym member at a Boca Raton, Florida gym. And then he started telling people he was an NSA agent was being spied on. <laughs> yes. So uh, oh, one God. of the, the reason, I think the reason why he threw the tennis ball or the dumbbell at this individual is because he was walking around with headphones on at a gym. Imagine that. And Incognito reportedly said... And I quote, I'm running NSA class level three documents through my phone. I can't have anybody in Bluetooth capability of me or taking pictures of me. End quote. Yeah. I just want to say this. Richie Incognito sounds like the name of a spy that like Kevin James would play <laughs> in a movie about like a parody of spy movies. It sounds like a fake name. I know it's not, but that's all I can think of whenever I hear Richie Incognito. Um... Yeah. Yeah. This guy needs help, man. This well, is... he's hopefully in a place where he can get help. I guess he um, he told police that he had taken a supplement called Shroom Tech, which is a real thing, before going to the gym. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Uh-huh. According to the people of Shroom Tech, it is a stimulant-free, BSCG tested and certified as competition safe. I don't know what it does, but at least... Um, can you have like mushroom protein? I'm Maybe, assuming yeah. based on the name, there's got to be something about mushrooms. I know there are face, like there are um, skincare things that are mushroom based. They're supposed to be really good for you. Yeah. But I've never heard of them helping athletic performance. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he threw a tennis ball at a gentleman for no reason and started throwing other stuff. And then he tried to mow him down with a sled. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, with a weight sled, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, the Bills recently released Incognito, um, and I guess he retired and has now unretired and is trying to get back into football, although he's taking a stop in um, a mental health facility. Well, that's that's good. Um, he It certainly appears that he needs the help. Yeah. Yikes. Yes. Uh, oh, he was suspended for a year. Sorry, I should have just scrolled further down in the article. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. I guess, good on the NFL, and I think they suspended him for that long. Mm -hmm. For a year. Hmm. Yeah, for bullying Jonathan Martin, who was himself. We talked right. about recently ago, right? um, in trouble for threatening to shoot up his former school, Harvard-Westlake, mm -hmm. even though yeah. he's like a full-grown adult. And, I mean, nobody should be threatening to shoot up school, obviously, but it just seemed like a really odd uh, thing for him to be circling back on. Yeah. Targeting, yeah, for yeah. slights that he received when he was a student there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's just a very full couple of weeks for us. There's a lot going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that that's it for us today. Um, as always, you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at UFR underscore BG. Um, you can check out our webpage under further review dash bg.com um and you can email us at under further review dot bg at gmail.com um thanks so much for listening and we'll be back with you soon bye bye